Morning. Wow. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today and hopefully a nice warm place for us to gather together to worship the Lord. And that's what we want to do this morning is we just want to come together and just praise him. So I'm kind of calling this time right now just a call to praise. How about that? Let's just all stand. Let's just praise the Lord together. May the peoples praise him.
Brent Mazel, you've been using this pulpit? Man, oh man. Good morning. All right. Those that'll go, now I can see you. All right. Well, good morning, and if you're visiting with us here at Grace, we're, we're glad you're here today. Um, we praise the Lord for your presence, and uh, I pray that when you leave today, you'll be able to say that, indeed, you worship the Lord, because the center focus of our worship every Sunday is the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so this past week, uh, Billy Nellums went to heaven. Oh my goodness. This past week, Billy Nellums went to heaven. Yeah. Um, And if the Lord tarries in his coming and doesn't come back for another hundred years, uh, we'll keep making these announcements. Um, Hopefully, you'll be one we can say that's in heaven. You know, Billy Nellums loved to talk about heaven, and she loved to talk about heaven because her husband talked about heaven. Uh, Henry talked about heaven all the time. And, uh, you know, going to visit these folks, I get really close to them, and I am just so thankful uh, for Miss Billy. And we are going to have a memorial service on the 28th of this month at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, we are going to worship the Lord and praise the Lord that um, she is even now in His presence, uh, worshiping Him, her Savior and Lord. And so I trust that uh, if you're available to come It'll be a worship service. Uh, I know for um, Nancy and and the other daughters and the family, obviously they miss the presence of Billy, but I know they're very um, um, blessed and thankful that um, she's with the Lord. And if you have an opportunity to to minister to that family, you you do so. And um, obviously we rejoice, but we also acknowledge that the absence of their presence does hurt. That, that's, that's what death does. It separates. It does hurt. So we want to, to pray for that family. And I want to read a passage of scripture this morning that will hopefully encourage you uh, in that. But I wanted to make mention also of a couple of people. Um, I'm not going to, this is not an exhaustive list. So um, I'm not skipping anybody. I'm just mentioning a couple of things that you need to know about. George Morand was taken last night to the hospital. Um, because um, he had an elective procedure on his neck in here to um, hopefully help with his balance issues. And um, he he started having complications. Um, He had already gone home, obviously, and so they had to take him by ambulance last night. And um, I am uh, happy to say that um, he was even improving as I was talking with Glenda last night on the phone. Um, They gave him some steroids to kind of uh, deal with the swelling that he was experiencing, and um, but you you be praying for George. He's been through a lot these last few few years, and uh, he is a faithful man of God, and we're certainly thankful for him and Glenda. But you pray for them, and there's many others that are in our fellowship who are um, sick or in the hospital, and so you pray for those as you know about them, as the Lord puts them on your heart. But. Um, I just wanted to make mention of those couple of things this morning. wanted to read um, one of Billy Nellum's favorite passages. Uh, we often talked about it, and it's in the Gospel of John that we are um, this morning. Gospel of John, chapter 14. You know the verse as well. 
but I will read them uh, this morning. Jesus says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That's become over the years one of my favorite phrases. Listen, heaven's going to be beautiful, and we can't even imagine. Scripture does give us some, some pictures of what's coming, but, um, you know, the best part of heaven is going to be the Lord. And the Bible says here as he's wanting to bring comfort to an anxious group of guys, he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And I trust this morning that you know without a doubt that when you close your eyes here, that you will be in the presence of the Lord. So let's uh, stand together and let's have a word of prayer uh, this morning. Father, thank you for the hope that you give us through your word. Um, Thank you for the hope of presence with you forever. Um, We thank you that uh, Miss Billy is with you right now, uh, rejoicing in your presence. So I was thinking about Miss Billy. I just thought about her contentment in you um, that she had, the discouragement that she had over the world and the condition of the world. Because she wanted people to come to know you. And as we look around and we see all the hopelessness that people have, we can just uh, shout from the mountaintop, we have hope, and our hope is in Jesus Christ. And so I just thank you to know Miss Billy's with you, and I pray for the family. I just pray, Father, that you would continue to comfort them. You tell us that you're the God of all comfort. So I pray for that. I pray also this morning for George. Father, I just pray you continue to give him relief from the swelling that he's been experiencing, the trouble that he's had breathing. He's been through a lot. We love George. We appreciate all the ministry, all the years of ministry that he and Glenda have had. And we just commit them to you. So many others that are in the hospital, uh, many that are sick, we just commit them as well to you. Lord, as I had to go back this morning and take my blood pressure medicine, I'd already gotten here, had to drive back home, go take my medicine. I was looking around in all the different churches for some reason, just caught my eye. You know, there's some churches that are, you know, there's 100 cars there. There's some churches with 10 cars. I just pray that no matter um, how many cars drive into the parking lot, that when they leave, they'll be able to say uh, that Jesus Christ was the centerpiece of that worship time, and um, not man. So uh, we give you glory. We want you to be uh, honored this morning. And so we make our prayer in the precious name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's continue to focus on him as we sing praise to the Lord, the Almighty. Sing together.
merciful, merciful Savior.
Let's pray together now. Father, you are such a wonderful, merciful, gracious Savior. Father, because all that you did for us was not because we deserved it. Father, we deserved much worse. Lord, but you made the way through the dying on the cross, through the resurrection of your son Jesus Christ from the grave, through the fact that you are now sitting at the right hand of the Father. Lord, you made the way. You are wonderful. You are merciful. You are gracious. And you are our Savior and Lord. Thank you, Lord. As we come together to sing about you, Lord, to learn about you, to focus all of our attention and all of our praise towards you, Lord, we just thank you that we have that opportunity to do that. And, Father, we are looking for the day, Lord, we can, that we can join Billy and we can join all those who have gone before us, Lord, that we know that are there with you. And they're gathered around your throne, as this song talked about. And they're praising and they're worshiping you, Lord. Father, they stand in awe of you, and we will one day as well. Lord, we thank you for that opportunity, Lord, because you made the way, and we thank you for that. God, just be with us as we go through the rest of this time together. And, Lord, as we leave here today, Father, I pray that you, not us, but you will be blessed and you will be honored and you will be glorified. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this time. These things we pray in your son Jesus Christ's name. Amen. John chapter 20. I need you to go to John chapter 20 this morning. Look at all those little children go. Buddy Seal, it's time for you to go. <laughs> they would love having you in children's church, buddy. I want to make mention this morning of um, a time that we'll have next week for those of you who may have been visiting or maybe even it's your first time today and you want to know more about grace, we will have a new to grace class next Sunday. We will have lunch um, first and then we will um, go through um, the beliefs here at grace and talk about our ministries. And so I know there are some that are already signed up. And if you're interested in, in doing that, that is next Sunday, immediately following our service uh, together. So you just sign up. There's no pressure there. There are sign-up sheets out in the foyer uh, for you to kind of take a look at. And if you have questions about it, before you would make that decision, uh, you can uh, contact me. I'd be happy to talk with you about it, all right? Can we have a word of prayer before we get started? That'd be all right. Father, we just want to thank you uh, for your word. Help us to concentrate today on what you have to say to us uh, as we consider uh, the purpose of John. Why was this book written? And so we make our prayer in the name of Christ. Amen. Ran across a cartoon a few months ago, and 
I showed it to my Bible Institute class that I teach on Tuesday nights here at the church, how to study the Bible. It's been really good. We start next, uh, This actually this Tuesday, we will start back uh, with that. And so I ran across this cartoon. I showed it to him one night before I got started. Um, I just, I think that is absolutely hilarious because I could see me saying that to Teresa. Um, which is my wife, if you're visiting and you're wanting to know who Teresa is. Um, but you'll have to get behind me and push. That's pretty good. All right. Well, John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31 is where we are uh, this morning. We are starting our journey through the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. And it is a gospel of belief. It's the gospel of believe. It's about believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this term believe comes up 98 times in the gospel of John. That's a lot of times. So I was taught in, in, in college and seminary that if, it, if there's a word that's repeated just two or three times, you pay attention to it. But 98, that, that's a lot of times. And then you have the word life that appears 36 times within this gospel. This gospel is a standalone gospel. It stands by itself. There are three other gospels that we have, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But John is a standalone gospel. Do you know that people will distribute little booklets called Gospel of John booklets? It's the Gospel of John. And, and they hand them out to folks with the hope that these people will read that and come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Did you know that? That's why people distribute those. So we have to assume then that what they need in terms of the gospel is in that book. It's in this letter that is written. It's written to the world. It's written to everyone. And you're going to see an indication of that as we go through the gospel of John together. For God so loved the World, It's for everyone, okay? Um, it's not just for a select few. We want to give the gospel to everyone, don't we? We want them to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. Before I move on, if you did not get a handout, raise your hand because you should have one. And, and I have some really faithful men in here that could make sure that happens. Um, you'll need that. Most of this you'll just read for yourself this afternoon, all right? I'm not going to read the sheet to you. What I'm going to do is concentrate my efforts on the first part of this particular handout that I give to you. So, John is the gospel of believe. And it's not just believe like the demons believe, but it's believe in. You're going to see that little preposition occur over and over again. Believe in Jesus Christ. So when we believe in Jesus Christ, not just his existence, but in him and what he has done for me, that's the issue. And Ron mentioned it a few minutes ago, and that he died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again, right? That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the theme. Well, first, let me just tell you what Tony Evans says. I like Tony Evans. Any of you ever listened to Tony Evans? You want, listen, you want some energetic preaching 
That's what he does. Energetic preaching, you listen to Tony Evans. I, I love listening to Tony Evans. He comes here periodically uh, to Birmingham, by the way. He, he's kind of been doing that the last couple of years. Um, so I would encourage you, if you ever get wind of that, he's worth going to listen to. I love listening to Dr. Evans. But he said this about John's gospel. John's gospel directs us to the unique claim that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Okay, and so as we look at the gospel of Luke, Luke is about the Son of Man. The gospel of John is about the Son of God. And so when we think about Jesus Christ, we need to think in terms of fully man, fully God, not a 50-50 proposition. Does that make sense? It's not that. And Tony, in writing about John's gospel, says that. He says, John also tells his audience that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. His atonement sufficed for the sins of the world. That's what the Bible tells us. It not only tells us that in John 3, but it also tells us that in 1 John. He died for the sins of the world, and that by believing in Him, one can have eternal life. Is that true? Is that true? It's true. Okay? And so what, what is the responsibility that we have as believers? To share this truth with the world. That's why we support missionaries. We, support, we have a number of missionaries here at Grace that we support. Our expectation should be, as a church, that these missionaries are out on the field... Sharing what? The gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know, in turn, our missionaries should have an expectation for us. You ever thought about that? Our missionaries should have an expectation for us that we are sharing locally with those around us the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right? Well, then there's the theme of John. The theme of John is very simply stated, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And throughout this letter, you're going to see different individuals that make that claim that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It's not just John that says that or Jesus that says that about himself. But these particular individuals will make the same statement in one form or fashion. By the way, if you look at Nathaniel, that is the way you spell it. Isn't that one of those names you look at and go, yeah, it's not spelled like that. But it is. It's spelled like that. So these individuals within the Gospel of John say in some form or fashion that indeed Jesus Christ is the Son of God or God's Son. All right, now we... We want to, this morning, go to the purpose statement. All right, the purpose statement. And the purpose statement's given to us. We don't have to guess as to why this letter was written or this gospel was written. The Bible tells us. The Bible tells us. John declares why this letter was written. This is very important for you to know. When you approach a book of the Bible to study a book, you need to read it probably several times before you even consider teaching it or talking about it with an audience. Because there are so many things within the book that help support the purpose of the book. Like, for example, why was the book of Philippians written? 
Why was the book of 1 Peter written? Why was the book of Hebrews written? The book of Hebrews was written to show the superiority of Jesus Christ. He's greater than, right? So you're working your way and you're reading through, if we just take the example of Hebrews, you're reading through all these different arguments that claim that Jesus Christ is greater than the angels, greater than Moses, and so on. All right? So when you approach a book of the Bible, it's important that you understand there is a purpose to the book and a purpose to the original audience, to the original readers. Okay? So like the other Gospels, let me just give you this. This is just for your information. This is not in your notes. The Gospel of Matthew was written to who? It was written to the Jews. It's very Jewish flavor to it. Do you know what word you see a lot in the Gospel of Matthew? Fulfill or fulfilled. Why do you see that? Because Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of what? Old Testament prophecy as it relates to his first advent. And so that's what Matthew writes about. All right? Well, then you go to the Gospel of Mark. And the Gospel of Mark was written to the Romans... It's a very fast-paced gospel. I mean, you see the word immediately, right? Um, you see the and then, and then, and then. I mean, it's just the life of Christ, and it's all about his service to people, okay? For even the Son of Man did not come to what be ministered to, but to minister, to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's a very, in fact, you just want to read a book real quick. Man, you could read it in 15, 20 minutes. Maybe that's a little too quick. But you could read it really quickly, okay? And so the Gospel of Mark was written to the Romans, stressing the ministry of the life of Christ. And then, as I mentioned earlier, Luke was written to the Greeks, okay? You know what? The Greeks were philosophers, and they liked to figure out man. When you think about the Greeks, you think about philosophers, don't you? You think about their viewpoint of man. And so Luke wrote about the Son of Man. And one of the things that Dr. Luke does that you really appreciate as you're going through the gospel is, is you come to the different accounts. They may be mentioned like an event may be mentioned in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That happens quite a bit. Luke is very detailed, Right? I mean, he points out every single detail. Reminds me of clothing. Do you know that people observe what I wear? Did you know that? I didn't know that till years and years ago. And there's this row of ladies. I won't mention them. They are still with us. <laughs> and these row of ladies would just look at every detail, everything I was wearing, they would make comments in a loving way, like, Thad, that tie doesn't really go with that. that seem, this seems to be your color, not what you wore last Sunday. So, very detailed, right? When you go to a wedding, for example, a man could sit at a wedding and observe the wedding and I've had my wife even ask me, hey, did you know the bridesmaids, did you notice the bridesmaids' dresses? No, I didn't, right? So all the men are thinking about that go to a wedding is what are we going to eat afterwards, right? What's that going to look like? So 
when you come to the gospel of Luke, it's a very detailed gospel. And for that, you know, you're, you're kind of thankful, right? Because I, I'm, a, I'm a guy of details. I like it. So that's the gospel of Luke. Well, the gospel of John also has an audience and a purpose. The gospel of John is written to the world. And the purpose is given to us. We don't have to guess, okay? And we want to look this morning at chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, as we consider the purpose of the gospel of John. Look with me at verse 30. Therefore, what happens when you see therefore? It's there for something. And you have to go back and look at context, don't you? Right? If you're new to us, uh, we really consider that to be very important, context. So one of the things you have to do, even with this purpose statement that's given to us in 30 and 31, we have to consider the context. What has just happened? Well, we need to go back and do some reading. It's okay to read. So we're going to read beginning in verse 19. And we're going to, I think, pick up a better indication of some of why John wrote what he did in verses 30 and 31. So verse 19, okay, this is post-resurrection, okay? Jesus Christ is resurrected. Verse 19 says, So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst. He had a message, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side, and the disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And so Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. But Thomas... One of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Look at this. So the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, remember verse 20. What takes place in verse 20? What's given to us? Information about what the disciples saw without Thomas being there. Poor Thomas, he gets beat to death. Okay, But look what Jesus had already done for the other disciples. When he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Don't forget that, because... When you're going through, sometimes, uh, and you've heard, we'll just say, accounts before. You're like, oh yeah, I remember Pastor so-and-so preaching on that 30 years ago. And this is what he said about Thomas, so thus saith the Lord. And that must be the case. Well, sometimes we don't get it right because we're human. All right? And we can have the best intentions, but just not get it right. Well, what I see here is that. These other guys had seen, like verse 20 said, both his hands and his side. You come down to verse 24 and 25, 
the other disciples were talking to Thomas. And they say, hey, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand to his side, I will not believe. Not believe what? Not believe he's alive. Context. Okay, that's the issue. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Okay, so he's there. And Jesus came to the door, came, excuse me, Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. What do you notice about the Lord? We'll get to this when we come back to it one day, but, and you'll forget by then. What, what do you see here with the Lord? Well, I see the compassion of the Lord, don't you? Peace be with you, peace be with you, peace be with you. What did he want for his disciples? Rest. Rest in the fact I'm alive. Right? Rest in that. Don't we rest in that? In the fact that Jesus Christ is alive? Yes, we do. Because if not, we have no hope. We meet because we have hope. We meet because we believe. So he says, peace be with you. Look at this. Then he said to Thomas. I like this on a lot of levels. The Lord already knew what had happened with Thomas, didn't he? There wasn't a bulletin like, oh, by the way, this happened a few days ago. No, he already knew. Why? Because he's all-knowing. And I love the compassion, right? He doesn't ignore what's going on in the mind of Thomas. He responds to it. Reach here with your finger and see my hands. And reach here your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving. Unbelieving about what? Context. That I'm alive. It's me. But believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. You know what that was? A statement of belief. <laughs> my Lord and my God. <laughs> what was the thing? that The Lord said, Hey, do not be unbelieving, but believing. I love the compassion of the Lord. And Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who do not see and yet believed. Wow. So, that's the context. The resurrected Christ, the appearance of Christ to his disciples, the appearance of Christ to his disciples and Thomas, the action of the Lord Jesus in showing the disciples his hands. And then it says, therefore. Oh, therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. You need to know the definition of the word signs, okay? Um, I did not put it on PowerPoint for you because I can trust you can take notes. The word sign in the New Testament points to something that marks a person. It distinguishes them. It sets them apart. Okay? And so, in verse 30, John says, Therefore, many other signs, many other things, 
Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in the book. You know, one of the questions I had, we know that John uses this word sign throughout um, the gospel. But I was thinking, if you just keep it in context, it says, therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples. Post-resurrection signs? Pre-crucifixion signs? Or a little of both? You ever thought about that? I've always had guys, I've heard, yeah, well, there are a lot of signs Jesus did. A lot of things he did, it's just not said. And I thought, well, hold on a second. Context. Context matters. And, and he, he's raised. So were there other things that Jesus did as the resurrected Savior with these disciples that no one else knows? I think so. And I also think there were things that he did with his disciples pre-cross that no one knows as well. But I think in context, you can make the argument he's talking about post-resurrection signs. Anyway, he says, Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. You know, it's interesting on your handout there, you'll see that I have designated signs in John. You see that on your handout? Okay, it's not going to be on PowerPoint. Um, I don't think. No, it's not. Okay. There are signs in John. All right. In, in the other, we're used to the language miracle. Okay. Well, John uses sign. And as I said earlier, he uses that to distinguish Christ, to mark something about his life that is said that is significant about him. Okay, um, the purpose of the signs I want to give to you because I think I did put that in your notes. The signs were intended to lead people to significant truths about the Lord Jesus Christ. The signs were also intended to confront the people with the importance of belief and believing. And this is where I'm going with this. When you look at the first, I think it's five, water to wine, healing the ruler's son, feeding the multitude, healing the blind, raising the Lazarus. You know what you're going to see in those, when those signs take place? You know what you're going to see? You're going to see that coincide with the word belief or believing. You know what you're not going to see with the other ones? And that's why I put signs, yet is there a void? I think there is a void. There appears to be with the first five signs, the word belief or believing within the context and framework of the sign that's being done. But in the other signs, you don't see that word occur in the context. Now, remember, I told you earlier, I'm a, I'm a detailed guy. So for me, I look at that and I read it and I go, okay, that's interesting. And all I'm saying to you this morning, that's interesting to me. Because... In the other signs, it deals with the subject of belief and believing. And yet, these other three, it doesn't seem to do that. Although later in chapter 5, there's discussion after the lame man walks about belief and believing. But not in the immediate context. So, the purpose of the signs, they were intended to lead people to significant truths about the Lord Jesus Christ. If you were to go out and do a street survey... 
What are some significant truths about the Lord Jesus Christ? What do you think people on the street would say? Uh, he lived, we think. Uh, a couple thousand years ago. Yeah, there's some stories about him, right? That's how they would phrase it. There are some stories about him. What would you say as an audience that are significant truths that are given to us about Jesus Christ in the Gospels? Speak out loud. Significant truths about Jesus Christ in the Gospels. Born of a virgin. What? He lives. He lived and he lives. He's the Son of God. He's resurrected. He's compassionate. He ascended to the Father. I'm sorry? He's the way, the truth, and the life. Fully man, fully God. This young lady's listening, isn't she? You know what that says? Adults wake up. <laughs> a girl. I love that. Listen, there are significant truths in the Gospels that are presented about the life of Christ. And in John specifically, which is our focal point for however long, um, we come to see and appreciate, don't we? Wow. Just as we have on your handout. When he says things like, I am the bread of life. I am the door. What does that mean? I am the resurrection and the life. Somebody said that. I am the true vine. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There are significant things said about the Lord Jesus, that come to light as we read through some of these signs that are given to us. All right, so John writes, Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. And who would know that? John would know that, right? You were about to say it. I could, it was on the tip of your tongue. Now look at this, verse 31. Okay, verse 31. He says, but these, what are these? What in the world, these? You ever get to these and go, what in the world is he talking about? But these signs, these points back to signs. These signs have been written so that, in other words, there's a purpose behind this. These signs, these things that are written. These have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That is a full casserole right there. I don't like casseroles, but I like this one. Y'all like, you like casseroles? Anybody like casseroles? God be with you. I don't like the little beady mushrooms that they put, that cream of mushroom. Yeah, those aren't real mushrooms. I don't know what they are, but they're not mushrooms. But when you come to this, it's just full. It just reminds me of that fully loaded potato sometimes. It's just cram-packed, right? You ever had that place down here, Barbecue Stop? They have one of the biggest potatoes you ever see in your life. And they just chunk all this good stuff on there. And you're like, 
if you ate it by yourself, you'd probably be really sloppy, right? If it just didn't matter, you'd just be throwing it. It's so good, but it's filled. This is filled. It's full up. These things, these signs have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. I read this past week Honda's purpose statement. You ever walked into a building and just read their purpose statement? Or am I the only one that's ever... Anybody want to admit to that? I like to walk into places whether it's businesses, grocery stores, dealerships, and they pretty much all have a purpose statement. I don't know if you knew that, but they do. You know what Honda's purpose statement is? It's very clear and concise. We exist to supply the highest quality for worldwide customer satisfaction. That's not too long, is it? But it's to the point, isn't it? And they're pretty good, aren't they? And they're pretty expensive, aren't they? John is clear and he's concise. He says, these things have been written so that you may what? Believe. Believe what? Just believe? It's not what he says. He says, believe that Jesus is the Christ. Well, who's that to? The Jews. He's the what? He's the Messiah. He's the one you've been waiting for. Woo! And if you, listen, if you were a Jew who came to faith in that day, you were doing that. Praise the Lord. But that message of Jesus being the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, it's not just a message for the Jew, but as we know, it's a message for the Gentile as well. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of who? God. He's God made flesh. He's the incarnate Son of God. Listen, it's just like John 1.14 that takes you all the way back there. And between John 20 and backing up to John 1, what do you have account of? The Son of God. And you look at the Son of God and you think about all the things that took place with the Son of God. Fully man, fully God. Did he get hungry? Yeah. Thirsty? Yeah. Could he do things man could not do? Yeah. We're going to get into my... It is my favorite account in the life of Christ. In terms of his life, I would have wanted to be present. The feeding of the 5,000 plus probably about 20 more. I don't know about you, but wouldn't you have been like to be one of those disciples just handing out that stuff and it's just multiplying? You're like, hey, <laughs> right, how, is that? how in the world? He's not like anyone else. Then why don't we treat him that way? Guys, listen, our message for the world is not like any other message. You know, I'm a sports nut. I like sports. Although as I'm getting older, it's kind of narrowed. I mean, I like it, but it, it's, it drives me crazy for different reasons. 
But when Bruce Jenner was called Bruce Jenner, you remember those days? By the way, that's his name. Just so you know, his name's Bruce. He'll stand before the Lord as Bruce. But I remember when he came out on the Wheaties box. You remember that? Back at you poor people that are young, y'all don't remember that. But Bruce Jenner was the athlete of the world. And everybody talked about Bruce Jenner. And young boys wanted to be like that. They wanted to have that physique. Right? I never got to that. But they wanted to have that physique. But you wanted that. You're like, yeah, I'm going to work out. I'm going to look like Bruce Jenner one day. That's what you thought. And it was a great story. And then you grew up in the 1980s. You knew about Lake Placid and the Olympic Games. And man, would you want to be a hockey player on that 1980 team, didn't you? I remember watching that game when they beat the Soviet Union. I was like, oh, man, I, was, I probably made holes in my dad's ceiling. I w- what would it have been like to be one of those guys on that ice? Beating the Soviet Union back during the Cold War. What have that been like? You know, those guys have lived with that. To their benefit, by the way, over the years. And I recall all these different events that I saw over my childhood and then my young adulthood and now that I'm older. And I think about all these people who get all this attention. And it's good for a moment in time. And people talk about it, but you know what happens? The excitement wanes. The excitement doesn't wane, does it, when we're talking about Jesus Christ. And we look back at accounts like him feeding all those people with five loaves and two fish. So it says, these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And we're going to see a lot of that in this gospel But I want to give you one more thing before we get done today. And that believing you may have life in his name. You say, Dad, what's the big deal about that? Can I tell you? I'm going to introduce you to it because I'm going to talk about it more next week. There are three primary words in the New Testament for the word life. Okay? Three primary words. The first one is bios. Okay? It's spelled B-I-O-S. What word do you think we get from bios? Biology. Okay? Biology. It refers to physical, biological life. And there are times in the scriptures where you have that occur. And I'll show you some of that next week. Okay? Because... Believe it or not, he talks about that in chapter 1, about this issue of life. And then there's the word suke. <laughs> Isn't that a cool word? Suke. Say that, suke. Suke. See, these kids, they're paying attention today. Suke. It's a weird word. But this is how it's transliterated. It's how you spell it. P-S-U-C-H-E. P-S-U-C-H-E. I'll have this on the overhead next week. 
This speaks of the inner man. It sometimes refers to the breath of man or the soul of man. It's the inner man. Do you know what word we get from the word suke? Psychology. Psychology. Oh, boy. Psychology. When I was in, in um, undergrad at Southeastern, Dr. Conway was my psychology teacher. It was an introduction to psychology, which I was like, what? What do you talk about? And to this day, I can't remember one thing that came out of that class. We talked about man and dealing with man and man's problems and this and that. And I'm like, yeah, this is boring. She would give awful tests. This is a side note. A hundred multiple choice. You know what I made on that? I do remember this. You know what I made on that first multiple choice test out of a hundred? Forty-six. Do you know the highest grade was? Sixty. The girl was crying because she was a straight-A student and was like, uh. And then Dr. Conway sat in her chair and she said, I want you all to know I'm a grade on a curve. I'm like, hallelujah. <laughs> so my 46 turned to a C and I was good with that. But you talk about man. Is man complex? No, hold on a second. I want you to think about that question. Is man complex? He is in his construction. Who made us? The Lord made us. How we deal with man and the answers to the problems of life. Is that complex? My thought on that is man makes it complex. You know who made it simple? The Lord. You know who he dealt with? Guys, you know who he picked to be his disciples? Simple men. Well, there's one more word for the word life. And this is the word that's predominant in the New Testament. This is a really awesome word. It's the word zoe. You familiar with that word? It's the word zoe. And it refers to the quality of life. Now listen to this. It's very important that I qualify this. It refers to the quality of life that the Lord gives to a believer. So when I was studying that, I thought, well, unbelievers don't have Zoe. Because they don't have Jesus in their life. So I got to thinking, how much are they missing? They're missing everything. It speaks of the quality of life. What does the Lord offer us in, in, in salvation? Eternal quality of life. And that life is in who? In Him. That's why Jesus says to His disciples... I am the way, the truth, and the zoe. I'm the abundant life. I'm the eternal life. In other words, he's saying to his disciples, I'm what you need. You think about the number of people today that are looking for something. 
You know what man needs? He needs the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what the Lord offers to you this morning? Zoe. Do you know how rich you are if you're in Christ? You have Zoe. You have an abundant life. Man, this is so good. When you do those word studies, it's well worth it. So he says, and that believing you may have Zoe in his name. Spell it. It's transliterated Z-O-E. Z-O-E. Zoe. That's how it's transliterated. Thanks for asking that. I don't mind you talking. It doesn't bother me. It bothers some people, I think, probably. But it doesn't bother me. Thank you. So these words each have a different meaning, but Jesus, listen, Jesus offers Zoe. Think about this one thing. When he says to Mary and Martha, I am the what? Resurrection and the Zoe. (laughs) Well, that's the purpose of the Gospel of John. It's clear and it's concise. Do you know that Publix has a mission statement? Publix. Any of you shop at Publix? If you don't, you need to. Now, don't buy everything, because unless it's buy one, get one, forget it. They're too high. But you know what they have you just can't replace is their meat. They have what I call real meat. I think there are some stores that have meat. And then some stores have real meat. And I found out from a good friend several months ago, because I like shrimp a lot, I found out that um, you need to read those little, when you go to that, you know, that area there with all the fish and the shrimp and all that kind of that fish area, you need to read where they get these things from. And I'm like, oh. He said, yeah, that, you don't read? I was like, nah, I just said I want some shrimp. He said, do you need to read it? Where did they get them from? What farm was that? What country was that from? So unless it's American, I don't buy it anymore because it's out in Pakistan or somewhere that you don't want that kind of thing. You know what Publix has, though, as their mission statement? It's very clear and it's very concise. To be the premier... Quality food retailer in Alabama? Uh Uh-uh. In the United States? Uh Uh-uh. In the world. And they're pretty good. You know what I love about John? He's clear and he's to the point. I trust today that without a shadow of a doubt, you are one who has... Zoe, abundant life. Let's pray together. Well, Lord, there's a lot there to consider. I mean, just, I could go for four or five hours just talking about you. Your life on earth. All the many things that are brought to light so that we might understand who you are. 
I was listening to Adrian Rogers this morning a little bit. My brother who's in heaven with you. And he was talking about the condition of the world. And this has been years ago he was preaching this. But it's still applicable that the world's condition today is just absolutely godless. So help us, if we are in Christ today, to be appreciative. That while we're living in a world of darkness... We are in the light. Our fellowship is with the Lord and Jesus and with the Father. And we have abundant Zoe life. We're not waiting on that. If we're in Christ, we have it. Help us to live that way so that when we have opportunities to share with others about this abundant life, that your spirit could be working in their hearts and their lives to convict them of their need for Jesus Christ. So we just give you all the glory and praise. And uh, thank you again for our time together in Christ's name. Amen. As I look back on the road I've traveled I see so many times He's carried me through And if there's one thing that I've learned in this life My Redeemer is faithful and true My Redeemer is faithful and true Everything he has said he will do And every morning his mercies are new My Redeemer is faithful and true My heart rejoices when I read the promise There is a place that I'm preparing for I know someday I'll see my Lord face to face. My Redeemer is faithful and true. My Redeemer is faithful and true. Everything He has said He will do. Every morning His mercies are new. My Redeemer faithful and true and in every situation he has given life to me when I lack the understanding he gives more grace to me my redeemer is faithful and true Everything He has said He will do Every morning His mercies are new My Redeemer is faithful and true My Redeemer 
is faithful and true. My Jesus is faithful and true. Thank you, Ron. And our Redeemer is faithful and true. Amen? He's faithful. So, why don't we stand and we'll close uh, together. As we were singing that song, listening to Ron sing it, uh, our Redeemer is the one who bought us. And uh, that came with a price. I pray that as we view our redemption, we would consider the cost and that we would live our lives as those who've been redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. May the Lord Jesus be glorified today. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.